0: And Welcome back to Leaving the Church to Find God, your safe space for exploring faith beyond traditional walls. I'm your host, Melissa, and whether you grew up in the evangelical church like I did or any other system seeking answers, you're in the right place. This podcast isn't about judgment or attacking institutions. It's about honest conversations, diverse spiritual paths, and celebrating the unique journeys that we all take in search of meaning. We've all experienced in doc- Donation in some form. And here we explore how it shapes our understanding of ourselves and the divine. Each week, we'll dive into thought provoking topics, share inspiring stories from guests and listeners like you, and offer tools and insights for navigating your own deconstruction journey. Remember, leaving the church doesn't mean leaving your faith, it's about finding your own authentic connection to something greater. So buckle up, embrace the open dialogue. And join me as we explore what it means to move beyond confines and discover the deeper personal connection to the divine that exists within us all. Just to get started, I know a lot about you, but not a whole, I mean, I think that now that we're both on this journey of like separating from those religious like constraints and and all of that, that there's more parts of us that are kind of coming to the surface. I know even in our last conversation, there were things that I didn't know about you that came up, which is crazy to me because I, I call you my sister cousin because you're like my cousin, but also like a sister, you know? (laughs) Yep. True. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that that's, probably true for a lot of us who grew up like filtering what we show and what we say to people that there was always this part of us that was hidden from each other. So I like to think that I know you, but I also understand that there's a lot of things that I don't know about you. And um, for those who don't know you at all, let's just um, start at the beginning. So how did you get into the church? I was born into
1: it. My dad was a uh, United Pentecostal pastor in Rome, Georgia, and my grandfather, who's your grandfather, was also a pastor in Douglasville. My brother was a pastor. Uh, my stepdad was a pastor. My mother was a pastor's wife. I'm fully
0: indoctrinated. <laughs> Holy, what I like I say. First of all, what was it like being a preacher's kid? I think
1: it's, I don't, I don't even know how to answer that. Um, let me think about that. There were good things about it um, when it came to like the church aspect of when I was at the church, because I was kind of like the center of attention being the only girl and the, I sang, you know, and and I did get some attention from that, I think being the pastor's daughter. So, But then on the other side, I think you saw what was really the true uh, essence of what the pastor is you see that. I I always tell people like, I have a different experience because most people just go to church at one point. I grew up in it. So it's like, I'm indoctrinated in it. So to come out of it, you have to kind of re just go back to the beginning and redo everything to, to feel like, you know, what you believe and not what was given to you by somebody else. So I think a lot of it is basically, I saw what really happened. I saw what went on in the pastor's home and, and my grandfather's home, and you see more than the pulpit,
0: basically. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it put any extra pressures on you to live in a certain way or be in a certain way, like you had to be an example, or was that more put on your brothers and kind of skip past you with you being the youngest?
1: Well, I think, I, I, I'm honestly, I think, being a female as well, (laughs) Um, because it it is a lot of, there is a lot of uh, stuff in that religion that I think is very chauvinistic. Um, So I think being a female, I wasn't as picked apart. Because they were expected to pastor the church eventually. I was, it was a thing where like, oh, you're going to be a pastor's wife. You're going to be a pastor's wife. And I was always in my mind going, oh, absolutely not. <laughs> That's
0: not <laughs> happening. <laughs> I could never see you being a pastor's absolutely wife. Absolutely like, not. Uh-uh. Any faith of mm-hmm. our lives.
1: <laughs> no, I watched my mom. My mom is a great human being. She's a, she's a great teacher and a great lover of the word. But I saw that the constraints, you know, <laughs> And I I even told her this the other day. I said, I think the biggest thing in my childhood that influenced me the most was my dad, my mom wanting us to have a better life. She felt like we didn't have the things that we needed. And my dad, um, she wanted to go back to school. She wanted to be a nurse. And my dad was completely against it. He was like, no, you're not going. We can't afford that. So then she goes and gets uh, uh, a loan. And then it was still no. No, you can't. You're not doing that. All the way up until the day she started school. He was telling her the night before you're not going. And um, she got up that morning and went. And I think that was the pinpoint moment in my childhood where I was like, oh, oh, you don't have to do what they're telling you. <laughs> you can do whatever you want, really. And honestly, and on his deathbed, he because he died when I was 11, he ended up thanking her for doing that. That was a big deal to me is watching her, I think, kind of stand up against.
0: Yeah, I remember. um it was always an inspiration to me that your mom, like, was an RN, was a nurse. Like, she had a real – and I didn't even realize it until I got older that, like, she had, like, a real job and a purpose outside of the home. And and I always felt like that was recognizable in her, that mm-hmm. independence. And I always really – like, my Aunt Deborah, who Brittany is talking about, is, is my favorite because she – always like was really true to herself in all the ways that she could be considering that environment. And that's what I always saw with somebody who was always really true to herself. It was very intuitive and very loving. And, you know, I always enjoyed my time with your mom because that was a time when I didn't feel like I was being criticized or tried to told being told to be anybody different. Like I could just Uh be with your mom and be loved and be comfortable. And I think that that, it was a rare thing in the church environment so the fact that she was able to like be a preacher's wife for so long and still do her own thing and still maintain this part of her that is very intuitive um, amongst all the indoctrination I think is a really powerful thing and I know that there is there are some very powerful parts of her that um you just can't you can't snuff out no matter how hard they try. <laughs> you know, Well,
1: you being try. a woman, you just, you know, it's that whole, uh, it's in that movie, um, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, the man is the head of the house. <laughs> you yeah. know, it was that whole head of the house mentality. The man makes all the decisions. You are subservient to the man. I think that's part of a lot of religions, especially part, it's part of some Christianity It's part of Islam. I mean, it's, it's just. It comes along with the territory.
0: Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's intentional. It was intentional in the way that it was made because women are so intuitive and so powerful. Like the Egyptians, who are like the most sinful people, according to the Bible, right? The Egyptians, you know, actually the women led the household and the women were considered the protectors and the providers because we create life. Like we are literally the portal between the unmanifested and the manifested and they recognize that power in women. And so I believe that the, the church demonizing women and putting men as the head of the household is completely intentional because women lead differently and women lead with their intuition and they lead with their heart. And you can't maintain this kind of structure for this long with women leading. It's just not going to happen. We're going to see that soon. I feel like women are coming back into their power. Maybe not in our lifetimes, but it is like in the evolution of humanity i believe that women are coming back into their power this work that we're doing here right now in this moment is a part of that you know this is a yeah. movement that's happening and that that is all intentional this umbrella of god and then the man and then the woman and then the children for me that always just like made my skin crawl cuz that just doesn't that just doesn't add up <laughs> you know what i mean especially not when all the men that we witnessed not all of them, but so many of them were behaving very badly and then well in the I'm, of- I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna quote Jesus, there is no jew nor Gentile, no male nor female in the kingdom um and they're really not going by that right and the in the laws let, let's be honest the laws on the women are a lot different than the laws on the men uh, when yeah. you when you start getting into some of these real um, religious groups and and their hardcore rules. The the laws are about the women. You you got the same thing going on over in Iran with the women standing up going, we don't want to wear this hijab. And these these deep religious movements, that's the way it is. Once you study religion, like I've studied a lot of religions, not just Christianity. I wanted to look outside of Christianity and see what these other people believed and how they were different. And once you study that you realize, you know, there were Buddhists before there were but the Buddha was before Jesus. He was 500 years before Jesus. Um, And you've got, to me, once you really look at it hard, you've got the same principles. You've got him with three temptations. You've got him with the disciple, his own disciples that can almost go down to the character of Jesus's disciples. So what I say to people when they say, well, what religion are you? I say, I don't believe in any religion that cuts out whole groups of people because God doesn't love me any more than he loves a." an Iranian kid or a Chinese kid, or if we're all the same, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe these stories are coming differently to them. And I kind of look at it like as storytelling. And Joseph Campbell's one of my heroes. He wrote The Hero's Journey, which basically every movie is based on. But it was mm-hmm. about the collection of stories over the lifetime, o- over civilization and how they were the same in a lot of ways. One point I'll say is I told, like, it's like something I said to my mom the other day. I said, my favorite story in the Bible is Job. I said, but I don't have to believe that Job is real. And she's like, right. no, Job is real. And I'm like, well, you can believe that. And I said, I can believe what I want. I said, but doesn't matter. All that matters is did you get the message? That's all that matters. Right. And that's what I see about other religions. It's uh, they're getting the same lessons. They're just not in the same way. And the, really, the
0: only difference
1: is is whatever
0: rules your group has come up with. Yeah, I agree. And I also like from looking at the different religions, like with the book of Thomas and other religions, like I've noticed that in the text that they do present to people, there's always a part that's left out. And that part is always the part that tells us that it's in us, that the Mm -hmm. answers are in us, that we have all of it, that we are made of God, like we are, we are the same essence. And that we don't have to look to something outside of ourselves for the answers. We don't have to go sit in a church and we don't have to listen to somebody else's idea of what God is because we have it already inside of us. And that's what the book, you know, the book of Thomas states the same things. It's like, you know, creating our own reality and how Jesus performed these miracles. And that it wasn't because Jesus was this blessed one with the the only person with these powers. Jesus even said that, like, we're no different. You can do this, too. But all of that part is cut out. And in all of the religious texts, the parts that are cut out are the parts that bring us back to ourselves and tell us that we are the ones with the answers. So to me, like the whole point of that would be to keep people coming back right? Mm-hmm. Because if people, I even had this in in the first episode, we were I was having this conversation with Rich, I have a feeling it's going to come up often <laughs> because it's, you know, the theme that it's all based on. So much of what we're taught is to keep us away from ourselves. Because when we get back to ourselves, it's all there. All of that wisdom, all of that knowledge is already there. And the more we come back to ourselves and we tap into ourselves, the more we can access that knowledge. And I believe that the church has done that intentionally and has done that by teaching us everything about us that connects us to the divine is sinful. I can't ever forget that like how we were taught that music was a something from the devil and how Satan used music to tempt the angels to come with him uh-huh. and all of this and but music is one of the ways that we really express our divinity and connect with divinity. So of course they're going to make that a sin. You well know, they're still like, using music by the way. Look right. at how they're using music.
1: I mean, right. they're using it at the end of the, the 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 sermon. They're using it for pathos. They're using it to bring the emotion in, to tell that last story to get you down there. Um, right. Yeah, they're still using the things that they're against, by the way.
0: <laughs> That's right. what kills right. me. Absolutely. And as a musician, like, I think it's amazing that you, you always held on to that and that you took that because I know in the church that was a really a big part of your life was the singing Mm -hmm. and being part of the music ministry. Mm -hmm. So I I noticed, and you can, I want to hear about your experiences of this, people who were in the church that have musical talent that have a desire to use that musical talent in their everyday life. It had to be for God. Like you couldn't just go express yourself musically. Mm -hmm. If you were anywhere other than singing in a church, then it was sinful and that you were using your gift for the devil And, like, you couldn't really pursue a career in that unless it was based on Christian music. How do you feel like that affected you as a musician, and how did you break free from that to be able to do music wherever you wanted to? Well, um, (laughs) I got the the bad
1: reputation because I, you know, I was in the church. um, There was somebody that already did music. So, I mean, it doesn't matter where you're at, you know, there's always somebody else doing it where you're at. You know, I wasn't really getting what I wanted out of anything musically, but somebody, you know, just, I would say discovered me singing and put me in their band. And I saw like a, a totally different side, but I was talked about really bad. <laughs> I mean, it was like in the church people, I was just a whore, a harlot. And I was, I was married with three kids, you know, just making money on the weekend singing. Um, It was totally innocent. Nothing nefarious came from it. There was no DUIs. There was no uh, affairs. (laughs) There was no, there was nothing like that. But I was talked about really bad to the point of, I I remember a couple years ago, I posted something and one of the ex-members of the church went underneath it after all these people had commented and they were just like, you're going to burn in hell. And I mean, it was just this long, drawn out attack because I was singing. In a bar, it, it was like it was crazy. I had to delete the person, but that's the reaction that you get if you go outside of the church to do anything. You're talked about, you're um, you're degraded in that community. It's just like a cult. The same thing happened. I can't think kind of with my with Papa when he left the organization that he was in. I got told the other day he got put on because he left. He got put on the shame list for them, and his picture was put up. On websites and stuff. And I didn't even know that. I didn't know um, that either. Just because he decided to leave and not follow their teachings anymore. So, you know, it it doesn't matter who you are, you know, you do something outside of it and you're just the worst person that ever lived. You're Satan yourself. (laughs) It's like, that's how it is. No, totally.
0: I get that because in doing this work, like even advertising the podcasting, you know, I've been writing this book. We talked about it for a couple of Mm -hmm. years now. In that, you know, I noticed like I was promoting the podcast on Instagram and I was promoting the podcast on YouTube. But Facebook, where I'm most connected to our family and to our previous church family or like the the people that we grew up with, I wasn't posting it on there. And that's one thing is like when I realize that I'm being held back by something like that, that I'm going to like rebel against it in a heartbeat because I know that that's the answer for me. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, well, I posted right this second. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I did. And it was so liberating. And I didn't even realize how much I was resisting that moment until it happened. And I realized, like, that's why it's been taking me a while. I'll write this book and take huge breaks. There's also a lot of processing to do with it because I'm literally unraveling the indoctrination in the book. And that takes time. But there's most certainly been a lot of procrastination knowing that there was going to be this backlash, which I find hilarious because I have not been in the church and 15 years, I was still holding back on that and holding back on sharing this part of myself. I don't question this part of myself, like this is me, but I didn't realize that I was like living two lives basically and not showing all of myself online. So I've been doing that unabashedly and there's definitely been been pushback. I expected it. So it's really like rolls off of my back because I've been preparing myself for this for a long time, but there is that like loss of community. And for me, that's what having these conversations is so important because people who are questioning or people who have left the church and feel alone or whatever their spiritual journey is, I want to create a community for people. Like, you're here, you're welcome here. Your opinions are welcome here, as long as they're not oppressive. Oppressive is not welcome here. <laughs> Everything else, like, this is a place for us to be where. We have community and community that's not based on us living by a specific standard that was set by someone else years ago years
1: and by the way the same things that were a sin years ago are now our vices this is the really thing that got me the most and what i told my mom i said to everybody that um wants to know like why i left here's some logic for you because jesus is the walking logos Because they look at Jesus, you know, Jesus is the ultimate. So Jesus is the walking logos. The logos is easy to see. If I was to go back into the religion that I was in 40, 50 years, the same people that are in that religion now, they would think we're going to hell. They would be like, oh, you've got, you know, a phone that you guys access to porn and the internet at any time. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the things that they're doing, they would go to hell. And and I, I looked at mom, I said, but God doesn't change. People change. God doesn't change. So how can you live by that principle that God doesn't change, but you constantly change the rules to go with society? Mm-hmm. Um that's against logic. I mean, you can't say, I believe this one thing. And then 30 years later, be like, well, let's just give up on that a little bit, but we'll still push this hardcore. Like I even expect the ones that we don't expect to like the, the religion that we grow up in, is probably going to be one of the last ones to allow gays in the church. You know, the Catholics have already done it. Uh, there's a lot of other churches that have already done it, but I think that they, they're probably gonna be one of the last ones, but it'll, it'll happen. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you because they'll have to move with the times and eventually it'll be like, we accept everybody. Um, uh, they'll still have business otherwise. It's like (laughs) with any business,
0: you know, you start seeing these shows on now, like Ted Lasso and Lou and like shows that are like bringing people back to consciousness. They don't want to produce that stuff. They don't want us to unbrainwash, but that's where the business is. And they're always going to go where the business is. And that's how the church is. It's like, You know, they want to keep as tight a grip as possible, but in order to keep people sitting on those pews, you have to let go of a little bit of the grip as people start to wake up and be like, actually, I'm not going to accept that standard. They're like, okay, well, that wasn't really that important. Yeah. Here's the new standard. And Mm -hmm. it's because it's a business. It's like with the pharmaceutical industry, right? Like you don't make money off of well people and that's how the church is. It's like, you don't, you don't keep well people, people who are whole and at peace and satisfied fulfilled, you don't keep those people coming back and sitting on the pews. You know, keep, keep a standard that's impossible to meet. Keep a standard that they're always failing at so that they have to keep coming back.
1: You know, if people have asked me too about healing lately, and and I'm going to give you an example of that. Like they'll say, well, don't you believe in healing? And I want well, there's certain kinds of healings I do believe in. But OK, I'll give it as like at my church, it was a sin to smoke cigarettes. So let's say you were a cigarette smoker of 20 years and they said, come down to the altar. God's going to heal you of smoking cigarettes. You know, you could have thought that you were healed and got home and wanted a cigarette like two hours later. The problem I have with that is there's no suffering there. Mm-hmm. Jesus suffered on the cross. That is the sacrifice. If you want to stop smoking, I've stopped smoking at 27. It's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And my kids, and this is what kept me not doing it, was they wanted me to quit smoking. Every day when I come home, my, my kids would be like, did you smoke today? Did you smoke today? <laughs> so I couldn't smoke. And <laughs> I told my mom, I said, that's the one thing that keeps me from smoking. It's not that I think smoking's a sin. I said it wasn't even my health at the time that got me because I wasn't really having any health problems and it was relieving stress. It was I don't want to go through what I went through the last time. I don't want to have bad health, but I don't want to go through what I went through the last time. And that is part of suffering. Suffering creates meaning. So if you're miraculously healed of things, where's the meaning coming from? Right. Where how are you not supposed to just go right back to it? Where are we, what are we supposed to do when the craving comes back? You see what I'm saying? We're miraculously healed, but we still have cravings or, or whatever. You've got to suffer. You've got to suffer to learn. Some of the logic behind that is not good. Like healing, I do believe in. I mean, but there's people that have real issues that want to be healed other than some habit that they've taken on. You see where I'm going with that? Yeah. That yeah, they need to overcome. Well, you need to overcome right. that habit to become a better person. And uh, you have to suffer to get through that. You have to suffer to learn anything. That's part of life is suffering. Right. And so you can't get rid of the suffering.
0: I mean, it's a part of who we are. I believe that it's what we came here for. Yeah. Not just suffering, but all of it. Like I believe that we are extensions of God. Like we are source energy. We were made of source energy. I believe that we're God, um, expressing itself. We're God experiencing itself and that we come into the human experience knowing and expecting to, to feel the entire range of human emotions, which includes pain and suffering, but also Mm -hmm. joy and all of those things. And I feel like that's one thing that the church uses to control people is like, if you're feeling bad, if you're sad, if you're suffering, it's because you're in sin and -hmm. God's not pleased with you. And that has caused the separation of people from their own feelings. And we're supposed to have feelings when you're angry. Angry is amazing because angry tells you what you don't want. And -hmm. you can use that as information. Our emotions are Mm -hmm. information Like when you are enraged about something, when you're enraged about something, that is your inner self telling you that you have a need that is not being met Mm -hmm. and you're pissed about it. You know, like all of these feelings are necessary in a part of our human experience. And by demonizing suffering or these things that are, are considered bad, it's really just more like separating us from music, separating us from dancing. It's more of separating us from what makes us divine. From what connects us to the I've
1: never gotten the dancing thing. I mean, you look at birds who sing and and fly. I mean, any any animal has some kind of form of relaxation. There's actually birds that dance to mate. And there's insects that do it. David danced before the Lord. They can't really, with all his might, you know, we don't know what kind (laughs) of dancing. He could have been doing this. We don't know. (laughs) Like, I consider myself a Christian because I follow parables of jesus but i want to make a point that a lot of these churches do not point out it then i read this the other day i've read it more than once in the bible where it says that jesus never told anything other than a parable in front of the people it said if the disciples ask him questions he would talk to them afterwards but when he was in front of the people he only told stories because he knew that's what connected and they Mm -hmm. would get meaning out of the story. But I think now it's turned into a finger point, you know, Mm. it's more of a finger point than it is here. This is my experience or this is what happened here. This is what happened here. It's more of a, I'm going to point my finger at you. You're not doing good enough. And you kind of, if you're going to church, you, a lot of times you get this, I don't know. I never had this great feeling Yeah. like um, sometimes I have it at church, you know, if we were in the middle of something great and you had music going on, but, you know, it didn't stay. It was it, it it didn't stay when I left. There was times I would pray to be healed of something. I wasn't healed of it. You see where I'm going with that? Then I've had things in my life that I can't explain and they had nothing to do with church. Right, right. Where right. God, I, I knew God was a part of it. I knew God was in it. Um, and I could see him working. So I think a lot of it is that we take whatever situation you're born into, nobody can control that. You can't control who your parents are, you can't control what religion you are, you can't control what morals you are given. Um, all you can do is deal with what you've got. It's taken me, I would say I'm 44 to about 38, 39 to realize who I am. Because I just am so caught up in indoctrination of this is who you are. Don't go past this abomination. I'm telling you, go past the abomination. Because if you go right. past the abomination, you're going to find something. And it's not going to be what you thought it was. Uh, right. it, it's going to be not the
0: blaspheming? Blaspheme! <laughs>
1: <laughs> Blaspheme. You kind of go past that abomination because everybody has a certain abomination set in their mind, depending on what religion you are. But you don't go past the abomination, you never learn about other people. I mean, I felt guilty when I first started studying other religions because of the indoctrination that I had. Oh, this is bad. I shouldn't be studying this. I shouldn't be looking at this, you know. But, you know, it didn't make me want to become a Muslim. (laughs) I'm still a Christian. I am heavily interested in Buddhism because I do see the similarities between the Buddha and Jesus. Um, Mm -hmm. And I do like both of their teachings. But um, to me, I think that's the image of God to them. Buddha is their image of God and I don't think that we're going to heaven any more than they're um they're not going to hell they're going to heaven a lot of them are going to heaven there's a lot of good people outside of the church um and that's not pointed out and there's a lot of bad people inside the church by the way too (laughs) a lot a lot um and and there's a lot of uh uh I would say in the one that we grew up in, I don't want to get detailed about it, but there is a lot of um, sexual misconduct. There's a lot of um, child molestation. And if you go back, if if you're a Pentecostal or Church of God or whatever you do, if you go back to the origins, research your religion, because God is in the logic and the logic is not your feelings and it's not your parents' feelings. It mm-hmm. It is the facts. It's the facts only. It's not your character. It's not your dad's character. It's not your grandfather's. It's the facts. And the facts are, when I went back to the beginning of mine, it was set up by a man who was arrested for sodomizing a 17-year-old boy. I had no idea. Right. I had spent my whole life. And then I went on the website. They got somebody else's name on it at the same college that this guy started. And and let's not even mention the fact they weren't allowed to have uh, church with black people. <laughs> I mean, that was Right. Now, I mean, you go back to that, that stuff, they were segregated. I don't believe in that at all. Those are the facts. If right. God is in the facts, if I'm in my head, making up something going, well, it was okay what they did and, and it's okay that this happened to my friend or it happened to me in the religion and it wasn't supposed to happen or whatever. Um, they, they just dismiss it
0: and they yeah. go on. I think as far as the sexual misconduct, I feel like it's designed that way. Um I honestly feel like that's so much of what the church is built on. It's men wanting to be able to take advantage of girls and young boys. And there's a lot of blind obedience that's taught in the church. Blind obedience to your parents, blind obedience to the pastor, blind obedience to the elders. You are obedient because they are the elders. And that's what puts kids in these positions to where they're being abused sexually abused and abused in other ways by people in power because they've been taught that the christian thing to do the right thing to do is to respect these elders to to f- listen to what they say to do what they say and so people keep quiet about it and there's so much shame around sexuality that especially with young girls like the boys too because of all the shame around homosexuality that mm-hmm. they internalize it and they think that they're bad they did something wrong If they tell someone, like, it's sinful and it's shameful, so they keep it hidden. And then this cycle just continues to perpetuate in the church. But if you look at what it's built on, like in the Old Testament, there's story after story after story how God's instruction was to kill these people and then take the young girls and use them as your wives, you know, unless they're not virgins. If they're not virgins, you stone them to death. Like, that's what we're basing our spiritual beliefs on. These stories where God over and over and over again directs people to go commit genocide to take people as slaves, to use young girls as their, their virgin brides. (laughs) Like it's when, when that's what it's based on, you can't build something new on top of that and call it holy. You got to get down to the nitty gritty of it. And the nitty gritty of it is the sexualization of children It's the oppression of women and it's the sexualization of children. And it's separating people from what makes us divine. It's separating us from our bodies by telling us that our flesh is sinful. The moment we're born into this flesh, we're sinful. We can't dance, even though dance is one of the quickest ways to connect to the divine. When you move your hips, you're literally connecting to your intuition. Well, you can dance in church. (laughs) Yeah, you can dance (laughs) In a different kind of way. But don't you move those hips. Don't Uh -uh. you move those hips. But I have found like literally when I want to get Where I'm channeling and like things just downloading things, I'll start dancing, especially to African music. There's something about that that just like stirs my um, soul. mm -hmm. And I start dancing and moving my hips. And in the hips, that's your sacral chakra, right? That's where the creativity comes from. You know, in the music, you feel that divinity and what we were talking about with the pathos and the in the church and the music. You know, for so long I thought, oh, that was God moving. God's here because when When this happens, I feel this amazing spirit. You know, I feel the same thing dancing in my living room to Rema and Selena Gomez singing Calm Down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel you on that one. You know? I love that. It's like all these things that separate us from our divinity is what we're taught. The whole foundation is built on this and someone was having a conversation with me on Facebook yesterday and it was amazing how quickly they glazed over the rape and and slavery and genocide thing. Like, Oh, but we've all made mistakes. And I'm like, but you're trying to build a whole spiritual foundation on this. Like you can't do that. You got to scrap it and start fresh.
1: And (laughs) you know, they're Mormons, right? This is what I tell everybody. I, I, um, if you go back, there wasn't a lot of religions that got off the boat in America and 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 if you look at it now, and basically you had Mormons and Catholics, and uh, the Mormons, i I know there was twelve major figures that left the Mormons. three of those ended up starting the assembly of God, the the Baptist, and the Pentecostal. Um, they the way, I remember being a kid and we would see Mormons and I would say, oh, mom, those are Pentecostals. And she would be like, no, 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 they're Mormons. <laughs> but now I know why, because we came off of it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. we still have the same. And by the way, these are the same ones that are still over there in Utah with eight wives living on compounds. This right. still goes on. Um, that's one thing that the Pentecostals don't have anymore is, is the m- multiple wives, but we came off of that and it still shows it still shows in the way they dress i thought they were us um yeah. so and i think another thing you got to look at too i said you know, you've got one religion in Iran, you've got one in China. I mean, you've got three different types of Buddhism, but you've basically got Buddhism. Um, I said, you look over in America, we've been here the shortest amount of time, and we have a 5,000 religions. You go another 100, 200 years, you're going to have 7,000 religions. and or and all no
0: religion them. at all.
1: <laughs> and basically, religions to me is people not agreeing. Oh, well, we, we agree on this. The Mormons agreed on this. But then we broke off here because we didn't agree on this. So I'm going to start my own church. I'm gonna start my own church, and then it goes from there. It, it's it's just everybody with their different view on what their rules are, you know. And the whole point of God is to find God yourself. It, the Bible says, "Study yourself, approved." If right. you don't do it yourself, and you're getting it from somebody else, you not you're not getting it
0: right. And it's gonna be different for everybody, for every single person. Like we all came mm-hmm. here with our own purpose, and not a purpose. I don't believe a purpose that was given to us. I believe that we choose. I believe that our soul knows and that um, we choose our parents. We choose where we're born. We choose the situations that we're born in, in order to learn what we are meant to learn for our soul to evolve in each lifetime. So I don't believe I have this purpose that I have to fulfill or I'm disappointing God. I believe that my soul chose a purpose for coming into this lifetime. And that's what I'm aligning myself with.
1: I can bring up something else that, that bothers me is the faith issue. When I I told mama, that's the first thing I discovered when I started studying on my own was faith in that church to me was defined as if somebody needs healing, you have faith. And if you don't have enough faith, they're not going to be healed. So let's say they're not healed. Then you're guilty because you didn't have enough faith for this person. And that, you know, that's not real faith. Real faith is If they're not healed, I still believe that's real faith Um, and telling people that, you know, you're the result of your own because you're not doing this or you're not doing that. You know, that's because you're a bad person and this and that. No, God just may be wanting to teach you something. That's my view of it. You know, you Mm -hmm. may be going through this for a reason. You may be going through this because of the law of attraction. Right. Put, and, and the law of attraction
0: is in the Bible. It's you reap what you sow. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> well, and that's what yep. the gospel of Thomas talks about is the law yep. of attraction and how that works, too. But he goes into more instead of the punishment of you reap what you sow, like you can create your reality. <laughs> you can create what, you know, Oh, I believe that. Is. And that's what I was I was getting into was like how, you know. What's what's right for me may not be what's right for someone else. And two uh-huh. things can be true at the same time. Like that's emotional maturity is being able to allow multiple things to be true at the same time. One of the my favorite podcasts, um, we can do hard things. One of the things they were talking about was like Lennon has been on this journey of you know, healing from anorexia. And so her work right now is to not be so Connected to her looks, like her work is she's not wearing makeup as often and she's not worrying so much about getting her hair done and she just stopped doing her Botox. Now, Amanda, Yeah. yeah, her Amanda, her sister, um, is an overworker, she doesn't treat herself ever and she never does her hair or her makeup or anything. So, Amanda's work has been to like straighten her hair and to put on a little makeup, and that's what's bringing her closer to herself and improving her life. And Glennon is the complete opposite thing, they're both right. And that's the thing about somebody defining what your life is supposed to be and the rules that you're supposed to live by is everybody has their own. Somebody else can't define for me what my life is supposed to look like. Mm -mm. I'm the only person with that information. Mm -hmm. I'm the only person with that information. If I invite someone else to come in, someone who has intuitive gifts, and I ask them to share in that information, then they can receive some of that information and share it to me. Maybe some things that I don't see myself, but my soul I'm the one coded with all the information for who I'm supposed to be in this lifetime. Huh. Nobody else. So, defaulting to that I think is it's detrimental to all of humanity because we all came here with the purpose that we chose, that we know that our soul is supposed to be living and so many people are not even getting to touch that because they're spending their whole life trying to earn something that's going to happen after they die. Oh, you got to experience it now,
1: right? This is all we have. This is, this is what what you should expect. Yeah. God talks to us too individually Mm -hmm. and everybody like I, I heavy into the Enneagram, which is, uh, Mm -hmm. taken writing. Um, I know that's what they use for movies. It's the most accurate when it comes to personality. Uh, it's basically about your motivation. My, me on the Enneagram is doubt. So I think that a lot of that was created. I think it happens to you as a child. And I think a lot of it was created because, you know, everything that I wanted to do, I was told, no, 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 you can't do that. If it was mm-hmm. fun, we weren't allowed to do it. That's what Isn't saying. that funny? I said the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it was a sin <laughs> if it was fun.
0: fun. You no. come here to suffer. You will yep. live suffering. You will yep. die suffering. Yes, <laughs>
1: yes. And, and don't say anything because women are allowed to speak in the church. A long time that went on a long time that went on. think that what happens is we get, it, it's just you get caught up in the rules. You get caught up in the rules and you're not good enough and you're not doing good enough when you're doing everything that you can do. And it's never good enough. It's never good enough. And then yeah. you find out things like, you know, the pastor's having an affair or <laughs> like that kind of messes with you a lot. But I think the good thing that comes out of church is the storytelling. At least you're getting, I will say that because I tried to look at Everything I think has a bad and a good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I talked to my mom. She's like, well, what do you think was good that came out of? It? I said, well, I learned David and the lion's den. You know, I learned the story of Job. I, I learned these these things that have been passed on from generation to generation to generation. They're telling the same kind of stories in the Buddhist religion. They're saying the Greeks right. are telling the same themes. Well, a lot right. of people don't get this about writing. Um, I know you do. But a lot of people don't understand plot and theme are different. Plot is just how you tell the story. Right. It's just the players. The theme is what it means. And it doesn't really matter how you're telling the story. It's did you get the message? Like I said earlier, did you get the right. theme? Did you get the message? Who cares who the players were? Right. Did I learn anything? Does my consciousness become more because of that. I said, Joseph Campbell, he talks about a plant consciousness, an animal consciousness, a human consciousness, like the plants know to turn towards the sun and your body knows how to break down your food. Yeah. There's a consciousness there that it knows how to do that. I'm starting to think that anything with energy is, is, is part of
0: God because that, that is consciousness. Energy is is energy. (laughs) You know, that's the, The thing that eludes me is how pe- there's this, the church braces, puts it as it's like, you can have God if you do these things. And I'm like, but you are God. Like you were born God. Like I'm Melissa. I have this personality and I have like this body and this mind and this life that I'm living right now. But at the essence of it with like the thing that makes me live and breathe is God. And that's energy. That's the energy. Of what I believe is unconditional love. I mean, the Bible says it plain and clear to me. That's the, that's what I took from the Bible out of everything that was said, God is love. And that's where my questioning came in as a child, because I took that seriously. And I believe that. And I believe the things that Jesus would say about loving each other and about not being judgy and not discriminating. And then I saw how the church was teaching it and how it was happening. That was always where the disconnect was for me. But I'm like, but God is love. And they're like, but God is an angry God. And I'm like, no.
1: God is love. Just going back to as a child, here was my biggest thing is when people would say this to me, because I would be like, I would give the rules out to them. Why do you do this? Why do you do that? Well, I do it because the Bible says this, the Bible says that. They would say, well, God only, God doesn't care about the outside. He cares about the inside. I could never argue with that. Right. There's no argument there. Right.
0: (laughs) <laughs> oh, I would. I break out the scripture and tell them why they were all going to hell because they were cutting their hair and wearing pants. You know.
1: <laughs> what was Jesus doing? Like I said, he was telling stories. He wasn't yeah. pointing his finger. How can you say uh, that you're following Jesus and and the teachings of Jesus, but you still judge? Right. He wasn't doing that. He was. His disciples were murderers um his best friend mary was a prostitute that he kept from getting stoned Uh, you know you have these same types of people come into that church and they're not really welcome right you see where i'm going with that if you were to walk into a church with a short skirt on and you're going to get stared down you're going to get talked about you know it's not going to be like we love you come come join us and it's some churches may be like this, but most of them are not. And and they may be like that the first service, but then the second or third, they're going to come to you and be like, you're going to need to cover up.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah. Love bombing. There's this, there's this book called religion hurt me. And I was um, listening to an excerpt from it the other day. And that's what they were talking about. It's just like in an abusive relationship or a narcissistic relationship. In the beginning, the person's going to love bomb you. Right. And it's so sweet and wonderful. And God loves you. And we want you in this community. And it's like, all this yummy loveliness and then once they got the person in there then it's like okay now you have to do this and this and this and this or you're not accepted and at that point you're already in there and you just keep striving to reach back to this point to where you can earn that love back and that's not possible because the target's always moving and then once they're in it and their soul's in it and they love it and they believe it then they start seeing the realities and I think that that tortures a lot of people I think it causes a lot of addiction a lot of people unaliving themselves. Um, because they get this, this conflict, they felt all this love and this beauty and everything, they can't get it back. And so all they feel is failure and that life is impossible and it's hopeless. And so they're either numbing out or they give up altogether. In the church, there's only two choices. Like we're taught either you're living for God or you're living in sin. True. That's it. So I think so many of us have been indoctrinated into this idea That either you're living for God or you're living in sin. Well, they get into the church, and after a while, it doesn't make sense anymore. And they can't reconcile it. Like you said, you can't do anything fun. All the fun stuff is a sin. So, of course, as humans, we're going to eventually choose the fun, the joy, because we're designed to live in joy. But we don't know that. We believe that we're sinning and that we're living against God. So the only way to live in a life that feels in alignment is to live in sin. So you never get to enjoy that life. It's spent in guilt and shame, ostracization from your community, from your family, from whatever else. So there's one or the other. You're either living for God or living in sin. And that's something that for me, when I moved to Hawaii, I realized, wait, these people are happy. They're living their lives. They're going, I mean, they're doing the things they're like connecting with their kids. And these families are close and loving and they've never been to a church in their life. Like these people drink alcohol and these people use cannabis and they're wonderful. And they have abundant lives where they're blessed. Like they have good jobs and houses and, and their families are happy.
1: Like, and by so the way, there's afraid. nothing in the Bible against drinking alcohol. It's about being right. drunk. Water I mean, um, They wine, take that though. to a whole nother <laughs> level, by the way, they take right. that to a whole nother level. But, right. uh, I I agree, absolutely. I've met families. um, Here's what's interesting to me. I have a great family. Uh, I have a joint family, and my, my husband is a wonderful, wonderful person. He's very loving, very giving, and our family dynamic is great. It's not perfect. I mean, there are times when we have issues, but our family dynamic is great because we're kind to one another, the way we treat each other. Um, but you go into other families and sometimes you get exposed to other families. And we, me and my kids were talking about this not too long ago. You don't realize how messed up some of these families are. And it's just based on the, I think a lot of it, and this has to do with church too, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that parents push their agenda on their children, Um, whether it's religion or, but that God didn't, to me, God didn't mean that for us, for you to push yourself on someone else. They're supposed to find their own way. They're supposed to find their own way of being, uh, their own way of living, um, and their own purpose. I believe in purpose. I don't necessarily know that you have some set purpose when you're born. I don't think you can control any of the situations that you're born into, but I do believe um, that you have a purpose, and nobody else can tell you what that is but yourself. It, you, know, you know, your mom can't tell you, dad can't tell you, your pastor's not going to tell you. you, you know, you're going to have to find that. What do you enjoy doing? Follow your bliss.
0: Right. right. Follow your bliss. What is That's that what God that meant for you to work? do.
1: What did you, what, what were you born? And you were just like, I'm naturally good at this. Everybody's got something, you know, everybody's got some kind of gift and, you know, whatever you're, good at follow that that's where you're supposed to be whatever you love doing right follow that because god is in that and i don't think you're gonna find god outside of yourself it you're gonna you're gonna find him inside yourself and and he is he is inside of you like you were saying um i believe the whole message of jesus was like our our own grandfather before he died had switched and mm-hmm. and started preaching that um the second coming was him inside of you and yes. and that's That's uh, that's Buddhism. I mean, that's that's straight up Buddhism. I mean, people can say what they want, but you go and and you look at it, and that's Buddhism. They Mm -hmm. believe that Buddha consciousness is inside of you, and um, you know, if you lead a decent, good life, that that it will benefit you. It shouldn't be having to. It shouldn't have to be somebody telling you don't steal, don't lie, you know, don't do bad to people. You should do that on your own. Because, you right. know, ironically, the law of attraction is going to come back at you anyway. Like, I really, I believe in the law of attraction. 100%. 100%. I really believe
0: that. So whatever, whatever. you put out, you're going whatever to get Whatever you back. put out there, it's going to come back. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Just like you were absolutely. saying earlier, like, there's a good and bad to everything. Like, I call it the light and the shadow. It's mm-hmm. also referred to as the yin and the yang or the yin and the yang. Um, everything does have a shadow. And it's always, for me, like, The answers are in the shadows, like the places Uh where we're afraid to look, the places where we're told not to look, the places that seem so scary. As soon as you shine a light on them, they're not scary anymore. And you're going to find so many answers there.
1: Follow the fear.
0: Face your fear. Whatever your fear is,
1: that's what I meant by the abomination. Whatever is in your mind that you think, oh, I can't go past it. Whatever somebody's told you that you have questions about, go look it up. Do some research. Go find out, you know, look at those verses that you're following and go read them in Hebrew and translate. Because a lot of those verses are not going to come out the way the King James Version put it. There's a reason the King James Version sounds like Shakespeare. He was alive when they Mm -hmm. made that in England. He was alive. He contributed to that. A lot of times people are reading the Bible in terms of prose instead of poetry. It's not prose. It's poetry. It's metaphoric. Mm-hmm. It's it's not supposed to take be taken literally. It's, right. right. It's supposed to be storytelling. It's supposed to be imagination. Some of it. That's why I said, you know, I can believe that Job wasn't real. Mom can believe that it was real. That's not the point. The point is, I got the message. You should have faith. I, I think they get lost in the rules and then they have to follow every single thing. And if they turn back, then they've ruined 10 years of their life or 20 years of their life or they've done their kids wrong or. Papa was grappling with that when he died, you know, Mm -hmm. there's things that he, there was things he was proud of and there's things that he wasn't proud of. And I think that's everybody, everybody's going to have that when they die. There's going to be things you're proud of and things you're not proud of, but you should find out for yourself.
0: To come back to ourselves. That's the, that's been the challenge. You know, I've had to do some deep, deep trauma therapy and I have been deconstructing, which is the process that we're going through of like deconstructing the indoctrination. It wasn't until I really got into deep like trauma work therapy that I realized, because even though I had deconstructed the doctrine, Mm -hmm. I had not deconstructed the indoctrination because our brain, especially for those of us who were born Mm -hmm. in it, our brains are wired in that crime and punishment trope, like of, Everything I do, I I even found myself, like, I've talked about this before, but, like, going into the new age world, you know, there was a lot there that I found and still find useful. But I was still in this mindset of crime and punishment. Okay, if I'm not in alignment, then bad things are going to happen. Or if I'm doing law of attraction wrong, then bad things are going to happen. And there's this set of rules that I have to follow. And I really didn't find peace in my spirituality until I left all of it behind and got in touch with myself. Yep. And what's I feel like so hard about that for people not only being indoctrinated, but is that the church does everything it can to separate us from ourselves, from the God in us, from that wisdom that we have. And finding ways to get back to that is how these things open up.
1: But there's a big... Come back right now with the rapture. That's that's like, especially here over here in the Bible yeah, yeah. Belt. Every I mean, I keep hearing from everybody a lot every week. It's like hardcore rapture, hardcore rapture preaching. And I was like, you know, I don't get that because people need to know how to fix the relationship with their son, their daughter, their wife. You know, that's what they need to hear right now, not. Uh, God's going to come out of the sky on, and through a cloud on a horse, you know, he, he, if you, if you read the Bible, good, you realize that he refers to clouds as people as well, not mm-hmm. just a cloud. And what is a cloud? A cloud is the covering, you know, right. it, that's your body to me as I'm reading that as, you know, a metaphor, not as pro not as prose. Um, and I think they take it too literal. Here's the one thing that I have that nobody's been able to answer for me. Okay. Um, I've read Revelation about five times there. I think it's the chapter before the last chapter. There's a list of things that he puts. uh, He talks about the 12 tribes and then he talks about the name of each, each one and how they'll have this symbol or that symbol. Well, the symbols are the birthstones. I started looking up the symbols and they're all the birthstones of the 12 different personalities. That's Hinduism that came out of that. You don't have those words. I mean, there's several different words for uh, aquamarine. You know, there's six different words they right. have for that. Um, but you don't have that set of beliefs without mm. them. And right. I, I I I nobody's been able to answer that. That hardcore believes in in dark religion outside the, you know, just Christianity, nobody else is going to heaven. They haven't been able to answer that. How come you got Hinduism in your Bible then?
0: Right. Right.
1: Um, and well, there's and astrology. Like talk about with
0: Buddha, with Buddhism, and Christianity. Like, or in those teachings of Christ, like it's the same in Hinduism. They have the same teachings. They have the same, you know, leader that goes into the desert for for forty days and goes on a fast and comes back with this understanding. That's a recurring theme. Is outside yeah. of Christianity. And baptism Buddhism. is yeah. a recurring a- theme. Right. And I use baptism. Like literally, if I'm ruminating or something is like. Ooh, and i can't get it out of my crawl i go to the river and i dunk myself and i release it and i say i'm giving this to you river wash it through me wash it through me you know and i do and i'll dunk myself three times it's actually ah um an indigenous practice for like native a lot of Native american tribes is like dunk yourself in the river and let the water wash you clean there's so many spiritual practices that use water to cleanse and to they're in every off. movie yeah.
1: If you read the hero's journey, you learn that that's part of a movie. When I'll give you an example, the best hero's journey to me is as the, the Matrix. When he comes out that gook, and he wakes up and he's in the Matrix and he's in the gook, that's the baptism.
0: Right.
1: There's going to be snake symbolism in every movie. There's going right. to be the number three in every movie. I mean that is that is part and 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 Joseph Campbell was just a man who went around to the different countries and studied religions and studied true true storytelling. Um and and he goes back to what you said to where the women were at one time the top of the pyramid. Um mm-hmm. then the Neanderthals came in and they started killing animals and we had to build fences to keep them out then you couldn't keep them out anymore. When we when we became a Neanderthal society when we killed to eat animals to eat. Um, that's when they kind of put the woman in her place. They felt like they need to, and I, that's, you can go read that throughout history. There's a reason it's called mother earth because <laughs> I mean, right, right. she births a human and, and, and the earth is birthing us. Um, so I, I agree with you there. I think a lot of, a lot of it has been pushed against women and children. You know, if you indoctrinate children at a young age, it's going to affect them for 30 years. 40
0: years. Forever. Forever if they don't find their way out of it. Yeah. You know, how many people do we know that grew up in the church that they don't want to be in the church, but they're suffering. They're Mm -hmm. depressed. They're numbing out in one way or the other. They can't just find their joy or find their happiness because everything they do, they feel like they're disappointing God. Everybody's doing something, by the way. Yeah. Let,
1: let me just make that clear.
0: <laughs> if you're
1: not smoking weed, drinking alcohol, smoking cigarettes, um, if you're not doing that, you may be a porn addict. You may be a food
0: addict. Right.
1: I mean, to me, you know, they harp or so much. Or you may be in, greedy. <laughs> they harp so much in, in a lot of these religions. I've I've seen 500 pound men get up in the in the, uh pulpit and say you're going to hell for smoking cigarettes. Really? The number one killer in America is not cigarettes. It's heart disease, and it's not from cigarettes. It's from eating. Right. So um, how is it okay for you to say that to me when you right. weigh 500 pounds? <laughs> That's called gluttony. Anything I think you overdo but can, can can become bad. It doesn't yeah. matter what it is. You overdo alcohol, it can become bad. You, you know can anything drink
0: much water and die.
1: There's a fine line, too, between, you know, Drinking a glass of wine and then just being a belligerent drunk as well. Some people yeah. can't handle wine. Some people can't. But life is a balance. It's a balance, man. It, you got to balance things. And and I feel like the church comes against that because they say, oh, if it got, they say, oh, they use that scripture about he'll spew you out if you're lukewarm. I don't think that has anything to do with the rules. I think that has to do with, you know, your belief system, your faith system, you know, because, I told my mom the other day, if I was to get one theme down to the Bible, if I were to say, and outside of love, I think love is a big one. But one theme, it's faith. I mean, yeah. they really attribute righteousness to faith. And right. all faith is, is believing in something bigger than you. And here, here here's another way of putting it. Um, everything that happens, you know, you don't have control over it. We don't have control over what happens in other countries or wars that are going on. These are effects of, of our societies. That that's just, It's just an effect. You know, the ants don't get along either. <laughs> like they, they fight, too. Right. So, I mean, I, I I think that's completely normal that, you know, we're going to have different religions and different ways of telling stories. But the thing, the thing that's miraculous to me is that God comes through every time. You see what I mean? Um, you might get stuck in the matrix of it. If you don't, if you can't pull yourself out and you don't start doing your own research. But I think the storytelling is big. And like I think I've told you this. I believe if you look at the facts and you look at the logic, the prophets are the writers. They're the people who withstood the test of time. The, the words that have stayed. You know, Socrates said the smartest man is the man that says, I don't know. Yeah. You See where I'm going with that? Yeah. I don't okay. know, because then he can learn. Because if he decides he knows. He's not learning
0: anymore. There's not learning from there, and when we stop learning, we stop growing, and when we stop growing, we're dying. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Period. And that is, you know, I we were talking about this in my last interview. It's that this trying to define something that is infinite. God, I feel that God is always changing because God is energy and it's always expanding. It's always multiplying. Um, I I feel like the principles of God do not change. Like God is love. Like these. The law of attraction, the law of assumption, these laws are laws, right? They don't change. But I believe that God is always expanding. God is infinite. Like, that is even biblical. Like, God is infinite. There is no beginning. There is no end. So how can we define something that doesn't have a beginning and end?
1: (laughs) You can't. And what if you're betting on a heaven that that don't even exist? Like. The heaven that you may think exists doesn't exist. You know, that there's contradiction all through that. You know, you, they believe that God's going to come out through the sky on a horse. So my dad says, well, I know there's animals in heaven. I'm like, why? He goes, because I just heard that God was going to come out of the cloud on a horse.
0: <laughs> I love that so
1: much. <laughs> it The deeper you get into it. Like learning things for yourself or the further you go back in religion and the further you look things up, the more you're going to know, the, the, the more you're going to see through things. Yeah. That's the problem is people don't see through the things until something happens like one of these pastors gets busted. You should be able to um, love God and have self-esteem. Right, (laughs) because he made you that way
0: (laughs) but the church squashes our self-esteem by completely telling us over and over again how unworthy we are and that we were born unworthy and we have to spend our whole life proving our worthiness and trying to be as perfect as christ you know um again it's a moving target it's an impossible goal which is what keeps you going back to it right yeah well when we're talking about the law of attraction we were talking uh earlier about the only two choices, like scenario, and I think that there's a lot of self fulfilling prophecy in that too. Like people leave the church believing that they're going to be punished for leaving the church, and through law of attraction, they create disaster after disaster after disaster disaster, just affirming that they're being punished from not yep. being in the church, but that it's not God punishing them; it's a self fulfilling prophecy from the belief that they are going to be punished. You know what I and just like with faith you're talking about
1: how they I treat like- other people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You see what I'm saying? How they treat other people. If I go eat with you at, and you say you're a Christian and you talk to the waitress like she's a dog, I don't believe you because you don't know how to treat people. And, you know, you don't have emotional intelligence. And, uh, I, you know, you watch people, they'll show you who they are every time. I mean, you don't have to watch them that long. <laughs> right. Just pay attention right. to what they're saying and what they're doing, they will show who they are. Every right. single time, believe them. If you yeah. don't believe them now. You're gonna believe them later on, right? And you are who you hang out with, 100%. I mean, that's just that's just yeah. the way it flows. You you hang out with the people that you identify with, right? So, I I'm not totally like when people ask me, I I say, or what religion am I? I say I'm not religious. I'm spiritual, <laughs> and I know that sounds like a cliche <laughs> answer, yeah, but it's true. I'm not religious. I am spiritual because if I look at the logic of it, everybody's got their own set of rules. Who thinks that your set of rules is right? You know, yeah. the wisest man to me is the one who knows, who says they don't know anything because you don't really know that much. You don't even know where we came from. Right. <laughs> like,
0: we just gotta, we gotta hope to be less wrong from one day to the next. Right. <laughs> like, uh-huh. and, and, and we don't wanna know everything. What's the point? Like this life is an adventure. It's an unfolding. It's like discovery and learning. Like I love the spiritual journey. I love that I don't know everything. Because that just gives me so much space to learn, to explore, to grow, to find, to discover, you know, like, if I already knew everything, then what? Like, I love learning. I love expanding. I love these kinds of conversations. I love that we believe a lot of the same things and we believe different things and that we can yep. have a conversation and accept without having to prove it to each other, right. Or wrong that we can just uh-huh. accept that's your belief and that's working for you. And that's amazing. And this is my belief and this is working for me. And, and I'm
1: not telling you you're wrong. Like I, it, right? you know, there's not a lot that we disagree on, but, um, the things that maybe we do, I, I don't think that you're wrong because you believe that. I think everybody has their own way of finding God in their own way and interpreting way.
0: it it's, and you know, interpreting all interpre-
1: God in their own way right
0: interpreting interpreted through our own context right like everything even if you're talking to a psychic or intuitive or you know someone who's channeling the words that are going to be used are the words that they have in their vocabulary the examples it's just like with the bible being interpreted it's being interpreted based on the context that the people who interpreted it had
1: and they you know, took a lot all, out by
0: the way a lot a lot of the good stuff, unfortunately, Yeah. Um, which is, again, it's like I don't, you know, one thing I do express and will continue to express about this podcast and about this work is that I don't go head to head on the Bible. For one, COVID erased a ton of my memory. <laughs> I don't remember a lot of stuff. For two, I don't find it relevant. It's not a relevant text to me anymore. The minute I opened it up and saw God was ordering people to kill these people and those people, I was like, this is no longer relevant to me. I've held on to the parts of it that feel right to me. When I'm when I'm worried about money, I remember that the birds wake up every morning without wondering, without wondering where their food's going to come from. The flowers, you know, open up and face the sun. They're not wondering who's going to see them or what's going to happen next. I remember those things. I remember that God is love. I remember that you treat people how you want to be treated. All of these principles that I feel enrich my life: faith and love and expression. Those are the things that I've kept from the Bible. I don't need to go head to head on scripture because that's irrelevant to me. But I love to talk to people who do have a passion for that and breaking down those scriptures and breaking down that stuff because it's needed. Appreciate people who do this research, who are looking into different texts and not just scrapping all of it all together and throwing out the baby with the bathwater, but that you're able to look at Different spiritual practices, different spiritual texts. Well, don't
1: throw the baby out; just pull the plug. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, there I, uh, I, um, I think that the Bible, and and I said this to my husband the other day. You have to look at it as a collection of different people. I think that's our biggest problem is we look at the Bible as one big text and everything is everything says what it's supposed to say and you're supposed to go exactly how it says. Well, there was different disciples on purpose. I mean, there's a reason why Jesus didn't have one disciple. You know, you've got twelve different counts or I don't know how many different counts of of Jesus. You don't have the same account over and over and over again. I mean, you've got two Greeks in there and the, both the Greeks called Mary a virgin birth. Well, they're the only two that did it. If you go back, every Greek mythology comes from a virgin birth. The mm. other disciples didn't say that. Right. The Greeks did. <laughs> right. So you have to take into account things like that where these are different people at a different time. And I can read it and take from it Um, what they had to say, but honestly, it's, there's a lot of contradiction. There's a, you know, there's Paul calling out Peter. Paul calls out Peter in the Bible two times for, for, uh, sitting with the, sitting with the Jews and dismissing the Gentiles. There's a reason why that's there. (laughs) Paul wanted to make it clear. I'm calling out Peter. (laughs) Um, so there's contradictions and, uh, you have to take the Bible as, as written by many, many, many people many people and and take it like it it was meant to be I think for you I think what for like a thousand years there was only five books um so and I, I said this to some of my friends the other day I said if you know you want to believe the what you want to believe Christianity or the the religion that you're in go back to the first five books because that's all they had for a thousand years I mean if right. God don't change <laughs> like the Bible says and that's what right. you believe then the New Testament didn't come in in hand for way down the line You know, and it it was way down the line, and it changes everything. That's part of the original Torah. It it changes it all. It it's a new doctrine. That's why you got Christianity and Judaism. Right. Um. And you know, the Muslims believe in Jesus. They still believe Jesus is coming out of the sky. (laughs) (laughs) Like they believe the same thing. So I mean, they believe he was a prophet just like Muhammad, and they believe he's the one coming back. So, I mean, there's aspects of every religion in in that you see it in judaism you see it in 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 the islam religion and you know the jews didn't even know about the chinese they had no idea (laughs) like the chinese even existed so um they can't really prove whose civilization came first They think they both came up at the same time so you're a lot of people are going off of facts that aren't true yeah stuff they can't prove
0: yeah fact well when you said that that was like what intuitively came to me was like for anybody who's listening to this and you're reading the bible or you're sitting in church and or you're sitting in a meditation group and someone is telling you something that doesn't feel right for there's any part of you that questions it hold on to that take it outside of that room and go find out why look into it don't blindly believe anyone and anyone who tells you to blindly believe them does not have your best interest at heart true period most of the time they're manipulating you (laughs) absolutely absolutely (laughs) most of the time and you know we talked about i talked about this with rich Ralston. it's like when you know i'm going through hard things or or something i know that there's certain people that i can't tell it about tell about it because they're wanting me to go through hard things they think i deserve to go through hard things Mm -hmm. because i'm living in sin you know so i've had to learn that like these people don't have my best interest at heart they have the interest of this collective belief at heart and, and holding on to this collective belief and not let any, letting anyone break that open. That's where the interest lies. Because if they truly cared about my best interest, they would see how I thrive and where I thrive and that it's not in the church. They would care yeah. about what your feelings were. Yeah. And not just like, stop believing that you have to listen to me. Stop believing that you have to listen to me. That's not love. That's control. That's coercion. And I think that we're we're doing it out of love. Like I remember feeling like, oh, well, if I, if whatever I have to do, if I can get them into church, then that's the right thing. Yeah, Coercing people with fear of going to hell, coercing people with fear of living a miserable life. Like, even if you believe, like, that's, that's the thing that I think hurts the most is to see really good people with really good hearts. That have bought into this and that are, they're doing this work out of love.
1: Uh There are some. Yeah, a lot of them. Yeah. I know a lot of Christians that that I think are good people. I know Mm -hmm. the opposite as well. I know people that are very nefarious that claim to be Christians. Um, And that
0: exists. Inside and outside of the church.
1: Yeah, it exists everywhere. It, absolutely, it does. And so does I think so does child abuse. <laughs> but but when your religion is set up on an abuser, um, it's not a shock, right? You know, to see other people around you abused, or if you've been abused, it's it's not a shock because you realize, oh, this is the foundation of right. what this was built on. I'm not shocked that it's still. You know, exists somewhere in the in 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 the
0: indoctrination. The collective energy, right? Yeah. Like the collective energy of this church is based on that energy of abuse. But like that's that's no matter what the words are, the collective energy that is built up, that is being like perpetuated. Yeah. Is an energy of abuse and control. There is a lot of
1: abuse and there is a lot of control. I agree yeah. there. There is a lot of abuse and there is a lot of control. And that, and then, and that's, I mean, Scientology has it. You know, any kind of yeah. religious movement that I think every, all of them have. I think they've taken down Hillsong lately. You know, they've taken down the pastor of Hillsong recently, yeah. if you watch 60 Minutes. And uh, the Assembly of God, the guy that ran it for 15 years, they've had boys come out claiming that he had molested them and they found out they hid it and things like that. So I think God's like, I believe in God and I believe that he's kind of, he works through irony and Mm -hmm. I believe that, uh, that's happening for a reason. These, these, these churches are being exposed, started Mm -hmm. with the Catholic church, which by the way, is one of the biggest religions in the world. So, you know, they were exposed what, 20 years ago for what was going on in their churches, so, mm-hmm. I think some of them are just now being exposed.
0: Just one now of my. Upcoming to be guests, um one of my upcoming guests was the. Um, director of Catholic Charities for 20 years. So oh, that's great! <laughs> we're gonna have some really good juicy. We're gonna have some juicy. I have a feeling it's gonna be a two part. It's gonna be a two part episode because we're gonna have a lot of juicy, <laughs> a lot of juicy stuff to talk I
1: about. I want to see that. I really do because Catholics really. I feel like that's Peter's religion. He was the first pope, and uh, he was the one mixing Christianity and Judaism. You know, like I said, Paul called him out on it. And I think that the Catholic religion is a mixture that I can literally look at the religions and, and go, oh, that's Paul's, that's Peter's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, they're following Peter, they're following Paul. I mean, the Pentecostal religion is based on acts. I mean, they're all literally, that was a movement that mm-hmm. came out of interpreting
0: acts in a new way. Yeah. And I was just thinking about that the other day. And the whole thing is like, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus. You know, for the remission of your sins, and then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, whatever. But I was thinking about that the other day, and I'm like, it's so funny that all of Christianity is supposed to be based on the teachings of Jesus, but he never said, go get baptized and use my name. You got to say my name. Like, that, yeah. mind. that was not Jesus's vibe. <laughs>
1: he has a lot of names. Yahweh, God, okay. Jesus. I mean, there's a Jehovah. I, that's what I told mom. I was like, people are so stuck on this name all thing. In, Allah. I said, <laughs> but in church, you're singing God. You're singing Yahweh. You're singing Jehovah. You're singing all these other things besides Jesus. Uh, what does it matter? You know, yeah. we name things as humans.
0: When we connect back into the inside, <laughs> we connect back into our divinity, it recognizes all the divinity. Everything that's alive is made of God. And when we get in touch with that God that's inside of us, we hear it we feel it we see god in everything i walk down the street i could be having a day that other people would be considering the worst day ever and i'm like on cloud nine because that little butterfly over there is doing the cutest little thing and look at how that leaf curled that's so interesting how that leaf curled when it grew out like that and like this is where i live now i'm living with god when i'm walking down the street i'm in church i'm having church you know so that's i think you get that when you sing you get that when yeah, you're seeing you're in that divine connection and it's channel, channeling through you. People hear that. People see that. It is a, a magnetic, you know, people love that. You can get people up and get people excited because you're connecting with your div- divinity in that way. Uh-huh. So, you know, no matter what you believe, no matter, you know, any of that, like it's still in you and you can find a way to connect.
1: Well, <laughs> you I think to too, if you're, it doesn't matter. I've had, discussions with my kids about this because my son was all-star two years in a row for football in the in the state um that if you're an athlete or an entertainer or a musician or an actress or whatever kind of art you're in um there's a place that you have to go inside yourself in order to be able to really put on a good performance and it's a place of peace if you go to either side, you create tension, whether you're dancer or singer or whatever. And and if you can get in that place while you're performing or while you're doing what you're doing, it moves other people. Yeah. Um, because there's no ego involved. And uh, it's it's you being in the moment. And that just sounds like you being in the moment. Like, I'm trying to do that every second of my life. And I'll catch right. myself not being in the moment. Get yourself back
0: in the moment. Because yeah. this
1: this moment in time is what you're here for. You don't know that you'll here, be here tomorrow. It's the
0: only thing that exists. Mm-hmm. The past doesn't exist. The future doesn't yep. exist. The only thing that exists is right now. Right and now. that's where God's at. That's where God I believe is. that absolutely, 100%. You know, absolutely. hundred percent. Well, I hate to end this conversation. I could talk to you all day, but I do have a therapy appointment. So okay. <laughs> I'm gonna wrap it up hey, this was around. fun. I don't talk about this stuff a lot. So it's great. <laughs> it's great. And I, you know, I'm going to invite everybody in the podcast. If you have questions, especially like technical questions, um, send them to us. I would love to, for you and I to come back in a little while and do a and a session, maybe answer some people's questions. Sure. Um, use this like wonderful memory and technical knowledge that you have. Um, I love you so much. If there is anything that you will leave us that you want to leave us with before you go.
1: I just want to let you know, I love you and I support you in everything that you do. And I think this book that you're writing is life changing. Um, It's exactly the way I feel that I had to leave the church to find God. I had to find God on my own. Um, And I think everybody has to take that journey everybody has to take that journey if you don't take that journey um have you really found god or have you really just taken somebody else's word for it Mm. you know and there is there is true happiness on the other side i'm happier now than i've ever been in my entire life i'm i got chills saying that i'm more confident now i i'm i'm more busy and action implemented and doing things that I know God wants me to do. Um, so I, I believe that go past the abomination, go past it.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Brittany. That's beautiful advice. Thank you. I Thank love you so you. much. I love you too.
1: Have, Have a wonderful. great day. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.
0: Thank you for joining me on this journey. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way to show your support is to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, share your thoughts by leaving a five-star review. It really helps more people to find this space. Want to go deeper? Head over to my website at leavingthechurchtofindgod.com. There, you can make a donation and make sure that we continue to have these conversations. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, if you or someone you know would like to join the podcast and tell your story, please reach out to me on Instagram at authenticallymelly. Remember, you're not alone on this journey. Keep exploring. Keep asking questions and keep finding your own unique connection to something greater. Until next time, stay authentic, stay open, and aloha.